Hello and welcome to Motorsport Now. My name is Jay Paveley and today's guest is Gwyndaf Evans. I really enjoyed this interview as ever, but this one was a real good giggle. I think poor Gwyndaf felt that he owed me because a few years ago um, we did a test at Sweet Lamb and um, Dad was running him for whatever reason and I came along just helped out and did a bit of hospitality and I cooked his lunch and fed him all day so I think he felt a bit obliged uh, but Gwyndaf um, also obviously has the car dealership in Dolgethlai and my family who've got a dealership in Llandudno. Um so it's been always nice to kind of cross paths and kind of compare what's going on and um, Dad and Gwyndaf have known each other for a very long time so it's just someone who's always been in my life a little bit um, but it was a really, really interesting interview and just bear with, it's a very long one, but super interesting. He has done some serious stuff in his motorsport career. So without further ado, here is Gwyndaf Evans. Well, I'm Gwyndaf Evans. Um, I live in Dinas Maldwy in Mid Wales, always have. And um, I'm Elvin's dad. I'm Elvin's <laughs> dad. <laughs> Do you know, my dad gets so annoyed now when he's known as Jane's dad. So you, yeah. should, have, you should have introduced yourself. I am the legend Gwyndaf Evans. No, it doesn't work like that with me. No, no, you're very, very humble, which we'll find out in this uh, this interview, because I've, I've got a few nuggets of information for my dad what to ask you. So uh, uh, give me some hints and tips. So if um, I know, obviously, you've done so much. We just briefly talked about it before a press record. You've just done so much in your career, which is incredible. And you've driven for so many different manufacturers. You've done so much before that. If we could just start right back at the beginning, could you tell me about your first ever rally, which I believe was a road rally? Yeah. Um, well, I could say where it started. It started um, from my uncle. My uncle used to rally. We, we were brought up in a, a small village carriage, obviously with interest in anything with four wheels was as soon as I could walk. But when I was in my early teenage, um, my uncle would take me to view rallies and watch rallies. And obviously the bug was there straight away. And my initial competition was doing banger racing. Uh, ironically, Elvin. yeah, so we, we had, I had like a mini um, estate converted, welded in cage, which we, bodged ourselves and I used to play around the petrol stations when the garage was closed when I was I don't know 10 years of age uh, doing learning my handbrake turns and reverse flicks at that point and then um, banger racing came at 13 14 and then I knew I wanted to get to rallying but it was really not something to be done in the Evans household because my parents was against it because they'd had enough experience with my uncle because he he was rallying and rallying quite a bit but crashing quite a lot and costing a lot of money so they knew the pitfalls before we even went there so really um, rallying was nearly as bad as drinking you know we weren't allowed to drink alcohol <laughs> well not in, not in front of them anyway and, <laughs> rallying so that was the when I started uh, I started co-driving I did a couple of years of co-driving without my parents knowing and um, then eventually you rebel I didn't know all this yeah <laughs> and then went into into um, I my first car I bought for 300 pounds from a scrapyard when I was 16 and I took 12 months to get that ready for my 17th birthday, did my test in it. 
uh, on my 17th birthday and that car um, got bashed about a few times in the first six months and then got convert it got converted to a road rally car and basically that was a Toyota Corolla which I, I rallied um, for, a, for a well little quite for a while ironically with my cousin my second cousin Edwin who used to co-drive for my uncle so he was very experienced never afraid of nothing because he was used to <laughs> the best crashes in the world um, so it, but he had a lot a lot of experience and probably um, if I look back at all the co-drivers I've had and I think I've had about 15 to 20 co-drivers he was probably one of the uh, along with John Millington was the, the two best co-drivers for reading a map for sure and uh, attention to detail they would be right up there um, I'm sure at Elvin's level if they were young at the moment you know and then when did it start to progress from that well I, I won the 13 there was a 1300 class in the Motry News Road Rally Championship which took me all over Britain and we had a, an old transit van with a with a little trailer behind and um, well actually it was a little minibus because we used that for the school children during the week and then at the weekend I borrowed it with, a, with an old trailer in the back and took the, the Toyota to road rallies anywhere in Yorkshire or, or down in um, you know down south we, we traveled quite a lot but it was really really good experience so we won the 1300 championship and then went on to, a, I, I actually got my first sponsorship in 1984. God knows what that makes my age, but I wasn't, you know, that young starting because we, we desperately, uh, cash was really, really hard to get by. And get, I wanted to go to road, uh, to stage running. I knew that's where I wanted to be, but it was just impossible. I mean, the cost of going stage running then was like, you know, road rallying was the cheapest form of motorsport except for auto, auto tests. So it was the only way. But luckily in 1984, I got a phone call from a businessman, Peter Maiden in Birmingham. And he, um, he said, um, how about a deal? Uh, I've been watching you. Um, I, I give you the car. We built, he built the cars in, in, in Birmingham. And we contributed towards tyres and fuel and entry fee and what have you. So, and, and then we won the overall Motor News Road Rally Championship in, um, oh God, around 1984, that was actually. Uh, yeah, 81 was the Toyota, sorry. 1984, we won the, the, the championship. And it was a big deal then because it was a proper big championship. And, and you know, it was flat out motoring, um, even... You know, rally started at eleven o'clock at night and finished about five o'clock in the morning. And you, and you would even in them days would need six tires. I think we were on your Yokohama then. You'd need six tires, and the six tires would be bold. And this was on open public roads, like so. It was really, really um, naughty, but we got away with it, and it was great. You said that was obviously a bit naughty. We will come on to that at some point. Just remind me, but. Obviously, things have changed so much from then to, to now. I do wonder if you can still get away with doing that kind of thing now. Obviously, there's road rallying. No, now, no chance. I mean, I mean, obviously, this road rallying is still quite ripe um, in, in Wales, certainly, and cert certainly some pockets. But, you know, the rules have changed. And, you know, while I think they still manage to get small sections of going quite quickly when they go onto private grounds, well, very quickly, but... 
you know, we were a bit of a loose cannon, um, to be honest. Obviously, the traffic was a lot, lot, lot less them days, but you would never get away with it and, and shouldn't get away with it today, I hope. No. So you won the 1300 class and then what was, and you got your sponsor yeah. from Birmingham. Yeah, and then got the, and got the overall championship then in 1984 in the Chevette. And then we we ventured with a with the with a manta. Peter made another manta then, and we started our single stage rallies, um, eighty five, eighty six, I think it was. And I remember doing Epins, and I remember doing the Manx National, starting car number seventy six. And um, I, uh, yes, and I remember we we were something like top four in this sing overall in this single cam uh, manta it didn't end i think it broke down or something but it, it certainly um raised a bit of eyebrows and i think we finished third in epit so yeah the the scene was set um i just wanted more and more then didn't i you know obviously <laughs> but i didn't see danger neither like no and that's do you well it's interesting i guess the things that you've learned and that rally obviously stood out for you. You still remember the where you were seated. That's it must do. So that that those first stage rallies, and even though there were some events, do you, you, they obviously stayed with you? Yeah, and they were special. They were fun. There was a lot of you know. I I obviously still go to rallies with Elvin. It it's it's changed a lot. There was a lot of. It didn't seem serious, but we were very serious. I don't know how you can explain that uh, because it doesn't. It, it, you seem to be. I seem to be contradicting myself. But we had a lot, a lot of fun, and yet we were still as dedicated and serious in our own little world. If you know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. I guess maybe it's just because you're so competitive with each other. I guess everyone is still now. Well, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. Um, and then you obviously then continue competing by yourself privately. When did you? It, unless there's anything I'm missing, please do tell um, us. Well, no, after the man, the manta ended up in tears basically because <clears throat> we <clears throat> we ran out of money, um, and I the we ended up writing the manta off, and there was an insurance claim. And I think I got half the money and Peter got the other half. And, you know, it was all amicable. We, you know, I met him only like a year ago, Peter, actually. I hadn't seen him for many, many, many years. Yeah, uh, really nothing bad, good memories. Um, and then I was at home at that point then, couldn't go anywhere with six grand uh, money, but nothing else, absolutely nothing else. So I did nothing for about six to nine months. And um, I became so irritable with my parents. Um, I persuaded them to let me have another couple of goes. And I blew the six grand on renting um, a Manta 400 from Phil Collins then days. And a Sierra Cosworth with a... With a with some links to Brooklyn, that was yes, Group N Sierra Cosworth. Don't remember the full bits how that came about. Anyway, I blew the money, but still, again, there were promising stage times and promising speed. 
So I was still hooked. And, and I worked day and night, basically, to try and get some cash together. And in the end, luck came my way in a way because I, um, where it really, really changed was when I saw an advert for a Sierra Cosworth for sale uh, in Motorsport News, a Group N one. And um, I cut a long story short, I ended up going down to Peacocks of Balham in the middle of London to, with a view of trying to buy this car. Didn't have a clue how I was going to pay for it. And it turned out that this guy, Alan Peacock, was, had bought it as a rally car. It was a new car, but it was an unfinished project. And uh, cut a long story short, we, he... He was told by his dad he's, he had to finish with rally cars because it wasn't helping uh, Peacocks of Ballam, which was a, a main four dealer in the middle of Ballam in, in, in London. And anyway, cut a long story short, he was a big help. I, I got a, a huge help with him, a loads of parts, got the car back to Wales, rebuild it all with friends and family and what have we, and got involved with Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn helped us to re, um, rebuild the car in between events, and my own lads run it on the events. Anyway, we, we ended up doing the Group N British Championship in the end and won that. And um, we were in the, you know, we were still, at that time, we were, I think we were the only competitor, and I think it's in history, that's had three, four dealers on the same car. We had Peacocks of Balham. Um, Brooklyn and and um, I think it was uh, Gwyneth Evans Motors on the car. So it was three, four dealers on the same car. But we we had a great season and, a, and we learned so much. But in the in, in the brothers' car, Phil Collins was driving the Group A car. And um, but basically, yes. So that year, I won the Group N Championship. I, I went into a Ford competition, Ford Search for a Rally Star competition. What year was that? Uh, it was around, oh gosh, we'll have to look. It was Ford, George Donaldson won it anyway. I came second. He got the a British Championship um, drive um, in a fully supported Borum car, Group N, and I got a rally jacket. So there was a no. huge, there was a huge, dif- there was a huge difference between first and second in the competition, but I, I've got to say this little story. Uh, basically, the night of the competition, um, we, there was a dinner for every, all the competitors. And I um, was put to, sat, uh, to sit by the side of Stuart Turner, who obviously was the, the, the god of motorsport and god of Ford Motor Company and Ford Rallying. And I, you know, I was from Wales and very, very white and naive and shy. And I was pantsing myself, being put to, to sit on the table next to, you know, what we would regard as God. And he's a lovely man, uh, really, deep down. But I asked him a question middle way through, the, through dinner. Uh, I said, um, excuse me, do you think I could um, ask you one question? I was so bloody nervous. I'd been thinking for all night how I was going to ask that question. And he, and he, um, and he said, yes. And I said, um, could I ask you, you know, this is my life. This is what I want to do. 
There is nothing I want to stop. I'm so gutted that I ever won today and I, I don't know where to turn. Can you give me any advice what I should do now? And he just ignored me and turned away. And I thought, bloody hell, that's bloody ignorance, you know? You've been psyching yourself up all night to ask that yeah. question. Anyway, a little while he turned back and he says, um, you really are asking the wrong person. I thought, bloody hell, if you're not the right person to ask, who is? Anyway, he gave me a little joke by saying he had James sent into his office so many years before uh, wanting to become a race driver. And he read through his portfolio and all he could see was this racing driver that was mad, that crashed his car all the time and, and said to James Hunt, do you know what? If you're my advice, I'd look for another job. So basically he was referring back to saying, I'm no person to give you an advice. But he eventually turned around and said, um, if it was me, I'd get back out and beat the guy that's won this competition. <coughs> and that's all he said. Hence why I went and got this Group N car and the Brooklyn and the Peacocks and all that connection came then. I went home. I didn't answer back. I just took it in board. Went home and thought, how the hell do you go out and beat the guy that's just won the competition with a work-supported Group N car? And we did. Very politely put then. That was very restrained. Yeah. We, we, we got it all together and won. And Excellent. You know, it's, it's incredible. The following year, Phil Collins went to drive for Toyota or did the got the deal to run uh, David Llewellyn with Toyota. And because of that, Ford went very happy with the connection because obviously Phil Collins was driving the Group A, Sierra Cosworth for Brooklyn. Um, I got the phone call, oh, would you, would you like to drive the Group A car? And that was a free drive the following year. And... I am convinced that there were Mr. Turner was somewhere in the background influencing all this, you know, quietly. I'd never know. We're asking. It doesn't matter. But I know at the end of that year, um, we won the Ulster Rally, which was the first international rally which we won. That's 1989, that is. That's incredible. And yeah. That, that was a, a, a great time because we were against Jimmy McRae and Russell Brooks and um, David Llewellyn and all these people so to win Ulster Rally was really something special for us and um, the following year I got the phone call from from Peter Ashcroft in Borum to ask whether I would consider as if I would need to consider joining um, Borum the works team um, in Borum going full-time as a professional driver um, developing and driving a group in Sierra Cosworth. So there is we that, go. Is that how you met dad? Was it a yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, I remember like I went down there once. I remember I was really, really, really little and I feel like I went on the back of his motorbike. May or may not have. And I went down uh, there with him and I vaguely remember just being plonked on a desk. Yeah. But that's that's as much as yeah, but But I was with him for eight years, remember. So it, it might not be that year, but you know, I was with Ford then professionally mm. for eight years. Um they were great times. Yeah. You enjoyed them, they were good times for you. Yes, I mean it, it got a little bit um frustrating by the end. Um, but there were too many memories to think about the negativities of it. You know, there was it was more good than bad by a million miles. 
and opportunities. Uh, I could write a book on it. I mean, best we're waiting for it. We'll have a key. I mean, when I, for example, when I joined them, that was when I was 29 years of age. That is when I had to go and get my passport. Because my first job was to go to Portugal to Testa Valica. I had to have my passport to go there. So, you know, I was a late starter. Was that the first time on a plane going somewhere? Apart from obviously... Yeah. Oh. Well, no, I'd been to Isle of Man, obviously, a little propeller thing going to Isle of Man, but that's Tropical. it. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. What a brilliant story. And then you went from Ford to Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I got flirty with chances in the WRC at the top level with Ford, but it was only like one-off drives as number three and what have you. Um, and they tell me my my biggest downfall was that I became too handy for doing test and development work, and that was my that was part of the reason I didn't get the drive. I was too convenient or too handy or too valuable mm-hmm. because I would do anything any day, any time, anywhere. You have you Sorry, good enough. You sneakily went and helped um, my dad set up the mini, apparently, before he went to Monte Carlo. All right, okay. I, I mean, a letter, lots, lots of uh, stories. I mean, you know, I, I went many, many times to many foreign countries to uh, when Ford would sell cars to clients, whether they would be anywhere across the world, they would send me with the blinking card and I would have to go through the car with them and, and and give them a couple of days, you know. But they were great times. They were really good fun. I must ask you, so obviously you've got a, a very successful car dealership in Dog Athlete at the moment. How do you find it when you set up these mental, crazy World Rally cars and then you've got Mrs. Jones from down the road wanting to know how her Suzuki Swift windows open? Like, how do you like the patience you I... must have? I would like to hope, um, and I'm trying. I've tried to do do it with Elvin as well, subconsciously. That although Elvin doesn't do it so much currently, he still does it. If you spend time in normal life, back home in a dealership, it uh, it always stops you, the the motorsport or anything in life. It brings you down. Are you not down? Um, um, more down to earth. Down to earth. That's the word I'm looking for, and I, I think it's really good in life. So, and ultimately, you know, Mrs. Jones with her windows or what have you is just as important in life. And I think that's the key. That's that's what I put it down to. Anyway, I don't, don't know if it is that, but certainly, if um, for many many years up until quite recently. Elvin will spend a, a day or two in, in, the, in the front desk. And you know, you get the staff and you get the customers. Lovely, great. And then you'll get the odd one that's not so great, not so easy. Well, that can be quite difficult. It doesn't have what you to bring you back to earth with. Yeah, I, I, I can completely relate. We won't go too far into that, but that's why... Gwendoff as well, like you've obviously done such amazing things and that's why you're so grounded. That's the secret to your success, really. So um, looking obviously at the results that you've competed against, you said you touched on some of the other very successful um, drivers of the time as well. And 
you also became quite a good team player as well. So you helped um, Siet win the um, manufacturer title. You also then drove for MG and Mitsubishi. So what were your, I, I can ask if there must be some stories within that, but what were your highlights? What were your proudest moments throughout that career that was just obviously so full on for you? Um, whew, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, my time at Seat was really, really good um, because it, it was different, you know, it was, and it was a big move for me to move to Seat uh, because, you know, I had Ford written all over me. I was running, you know, a Ford dealership. Um, I never thought I'd move, to be honest, but the, the opportunity came and at that time it had gone a bit uh, quieter at Ford and Seat UK offered me this opportunity, um, a, a three-year deal actually, and I joined and they, they were great with me. They, they let me have a free hand in how I wanted the car and the chassis to be. They looked after me really, really well. And I spent my last year working in Barcelona um, with the Seat um, World Rally team. And that was mainly developing the Cordoba World Rally car. And, you know, you couldn't wish for a better job, could you? If you, if you, if you, if you looked at a, a job, job list, you drive to Liverpool Airport an hour and a half, you jump on a plane, you arrive in Barcelona, you get picked up, red carpet treatment, you get the best hotel in Barcelona, and you you get to be sat in a Cordoba World Rally car and, and race that all day all round round the track. Okay, then, you stop I, rubbing it in now. Yeah, you've done a few yeah. things. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a perfect life. They and you know they were really good. Um, the language barrier was a little bit, but it, we we got on. The sign language was was the same in rallying, so that was really cool. So happy memories with Seat. Unfortunately, they got took over by Volkswagen. So, to, I mean, I thought I would have been there for life, to be honest, because they were, they appeared to be really happy with me. I was really happy with them and it didn't look like it ever changed. But um, yeah, your dad helped me uh, enormously about the moving on to NG, really, and um, probably be in his debt for forever because he, he did a lot to um, help me uh, join MG. And that was... When when Seat came, it was such a, a kick in the gut, but for the whole team, not just for me. I remember having that phone call, thinking I was right for years. Um, I couldn't believe the phone call was true, that the manufacturer was going to pull out. Um, and it just shows how fickle the sport can be and how, how big companies can make a decision virtually like overnight and just close the whole, I mean, they were building new blocks of buildings, workshops and everything when I was there. I just thought, well, this is, you know, they're obviously planning the next 10 years ahead. There were huge autosport headquarters being built in Barcelona and um, they, they hadn't finished them and it was a close, close up job. Like. So it came as a massive surprise and they were, they were really, really good fun. And I think that could have been, again, really, really successful, but it, it wasn't as successful as it should have been um, for many, many re re reasons. There was no problem with the enthusiasm from 
everybody within the whole MG Sport and Racing team. There was nothing wrong there. They had three big programs, the Le Mans and the, the touring cars. But, you know, they'd only just got bought the company. And I think maybe they... A brilliant idea, but I'm not sure if they took more on than they could chew. And obviously the, the, the MG engine became very was very very unreliable once they it went like clappers but they just couldn't get it to last and basically that was the biggest downfall but again unfortunately mg um sport and racing closed after a few years as well so that's quite a sad ending to that but um you know i i did a lot of rallies with them um we didn't finish any but there was not many my fault i mean there was the occasional role, but on the whole, it was mainly the car that broke down. So it, about that, is that I don't know. Obviously, I I don't know if there's anything that was over like a really really bad accident. Hopefully, I'm not asking anything too insensitive. But is there any roles or crashes that you've had? You thought, oh god, here we go. Yeah, yeah. When you when you when you start a big accident and you know turning the steering wheel or pressing the pedals isn't going to make any any shit difference anymore you know you are in the land of god whether you're going to hurt or not and Mm. it seems an eternity if it's a big crash because you think it's going to take forever and you cannot wait for that accident to stop shake your head talk and talk to your co-driver and say are you okay and you know that's the a, a big 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 relief i mean the crash we had in Chatsworth was pretty enormous, where we went sideways into a tree. Um, obviously, I, I was hospitalised that, uh, that that time, just overnight. Uh, st- still got the bad neck to sh- to prove it. Um, crushed a couple of vertebras, but on the whole, you know, I've been very very lucky to get away with so many things in life. But uh, you know, and luck, luck, you need the luck sometimes as well. You know. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, you said that it was just luck that you sat next to this particular, um, the gentleman. Um, yeah, Stuart. Yeah. yeah, and with motorsport, I think you can do so much for yourself and obviously you can work really hard, but do you think it is down a little bit to... It's a, it's a combination. I mean, if you if you think about it, it's not all luck. 100% is not all luck. You you It's a combination of many things, but it's ultimately the hungriness and dedication you're prepared to give it more than anything else in life. I mean, nothing else in life was important for me. Um, Very selfish, very horrible, really, if you analyse it and look back at it. But it would come in front of anything in life. You could argue that with any sport, though, really. You have to give it everything. And anything in life, if you really want to make it all the way, I believe. And, you know, Elvin is a pretty good copycat of all that. And it can get very frustrating to people around him sometimes. And I'm sure I was exactly the same, or so I'm told anyway. So, but, you know, you have to... Uh, we, lo- we, we like it when we see him succeed, but it's frustrating the dedication and the actual selfishness that it takes to get there yeah it most sport can be one big sacrifice can't it yeah you haven't covered much about mitsubishi yet is there any highlights no there there wasn't you know there were great couple of years i was teammates to guy wilkes 
so we've both had uh, um, Mitsubishi Evos and Evo 10s, British Championship it was. Um, yeah, really, really good time. And I was getting a little bit long in a tooth by then, uh, but I could still make a guy uh, honest, but he would just pick me by then. Um, there wasn't much between us on, on some, uh, you know, in many instances. Um, I just wish I'd have, have uh, competed against him a few years earlier. Let's put it like that. Well, you say uh, that you're a bit longer in the tooth, but just looking through the EWRC results here, you just so you just came back then. So obviously you did um, all that with, oh, hang on. You went back. So you did up to the track rod you did with Mitsubishi, I believe from what it's I say, that was maybe the last one with Mitsubishi. But then you came back and did the Roger Albert Clark twice. And you were yeah, well, that was we're going back to Mark 2 Escos then. Yes. Yeah, so you weren't doing too badly. I don't think you had quite yeah. finished that. <laughs> no, maybe not. But, you know, you've got to remember Guy Wilkes was um, JWRC material, um, top, top driver. And, you know, he could have quite easily have gone all the way to become a works WRC driver. So he was, you know, you, we're talking somebody good here, like really good. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing pretty good. Well, I think, yeah, you definitely proved him honest. I must ask then, and you probably get this all the time, but how did you feel when Elvin started showing signs of wanting to get into rallying? How did you feel about that? Um, I think it came when, um, obviously, I, I knew Elvin was driving around the field at 12. That was my fault. Um, I gave him an old banger and he was, you know, we got a couple of acres here and he, I, I could see him doing handbrake turns and flicks and what have you and he did some banger racing and I just thought well that's fine it's just a bit of fun I was in my own little zone world rallying at that point but when he started rallying it was his mother really that was pushing him the most when he was in the little micro and I, I, his mother was in my head saying oh you know come on you've got to support him and I said look look mum you really got to watch yourself here because um, I'd lost a couple of friends as well not too long ago when this was happening in the sport. You know, this sport is dangerous. Do you really want Elvin to be doing this? Like, are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't think you should push him anyway. Um, but they, they went on and did all this when I was away a lot in the, the micro days. And then he started to show that he really, you know, he started to show some commitment from training and what and dedication. And I could see he was um, addicted, shall we say, the right word. And then we we he came and asked whether we'd help him doing the ST Fiesta. And after that bit, I, you know, we had the chats. We, we got to understand, right, you've got to want to do this. Dad's not pushing you one iota. I'm much happier if you could kick a ball around the field or <laughs> kick but a like ball. A bit cheaper too. <laughs> you know, it'd be far more <laughs> safely. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be a traitor if I would have said, no, you cannot do it. And, uh, and the deal I did with Elvin back uh, in the ST days was quite simply I will support you with the ST Fiesta 
um, fully, but don't come and ask me for a four-wheel drive car or nothing like that until you've proved to me you really are very, very keen about this subject and you are going to dedicate everything to it and you are going to show me you are clearly the best. Otherwise, we are not entertaining any more powerful car or more expensive car or nothing. I mean, hard, hard line dad there. It was, it, was, it was very, yeah, but it was real. So he knew exactly what, what was, what the score was. Uh, obviously with it, you know, I, we, we, we were very strong with having all the kits, having all the, the safety, you know, he wouldn't, you, you wouldn't even go testing or even even down the road to bed brake pads unless the kit was fully on and the seatbelts, because obviously seatbelts were quite new things even then, you know. Um, everything had to be on because he had to take it all properly serious and realise that it was damn dangerous. But, um, yeah, so, you know, once we'd gone over that little... Um, fatherly man-to-man discussion and we all knew what what the score was and you know i had a chat up in, in the gymnasium because obviously i was training quite a lot then and he had to put down on the chart whenever he he was training and what he did to prepare and all the rest of it so it was like school basically so you know we had the like a motorsport diary up on the wall in the gymnasium and he would have to sign down how much he trained every day on the diary. Because I never watched him. I didn't watch him all the time. It was just to see what dedication did he have to it. And I could see his name but being there and what have you. And all this has stayed with him. You know, the amount he trains now is, is good. Like, it's, it's proper. I never have to tell him to go and do DVD work or, or to do things. That's instant. That's ingrained from... I'm sure from them days he realizes the value of it. So it's he all does, paid off. Clearly, you've you've you know helped massively onto his journey. Yeah, but he he'd want I couldn't and I didn't want to force him to do none of this. I just laid the ground groundwork and just told him what he had to do. It's up to you. If you want to start training and go training for a month or two months, and then you get bored with it, and you want to go out and and go to nightclubs and go drinking, what have you. It's your life. You can direct it to whatever you want to do. But he dis- he, he chose to be so dedicated and focused and, and do this, like I hear me. And I heard you're still training with him as well. I wouldn't go that far. No, no, that's not quite. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> we went, we, well, we went on the bicycle the other day and that was a bad mistake because yes, up until probably 10 years ago, I, I was training with him quite a bit and I could live with him if not beating, whether, whether we were going mountain biking or, or running or what have you, but the tide has just changed now. Dad's gone much slower and he's gone much faster. Um, but oh, we went... just dad, your granddad now, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> Oh, nice, mate. Take that nicely. Yeah, well, it's double whammy because he's had a twins. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we, we did go on the bike the other day, um, and I was quite pleased. I was 
able to track him for maybe half of it. <laughs> but, you know, he just left me for, for bed then in the end. <laughs> I was going to say, you should be able to, and he said, you know, it's a WRC driver now, he's got to make sure this, and all the training that you installed in him, so he should be pretty good by now. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I ask you as well, just one well, last question, I won't keep you too much longer, um, but you've given some really good hints and tips and advice as you've gone through this, and is there anything that you wish someone had told you at the beginning? Is there anything that you, any advice that right back at the beginning, someone said look really important do this or make sure this is the best way or did you just have to find out yourself that's a good question um you get advice and you learn by other people as well um but when i was asking for proper advice like i i remember god bless him uh, we you know he passed away recently russell brooks i remember asking him during one of the British Championship rounds, something about a stage, and and he wouldn't answer me, you know, because obviously I was a threat to him, if you understand. Yeah. And I didn't hold anything against him about that because we, we became great friends and what have you, um, and I held him in very high esteem. But what you found in the end, uh, the more you went up better at it, the least help you would get. Oh yeah. You, you, the more the more successful you get, the least help you get. And Elvin has found it exactly the same. Um, obviously, when you're on the, there's only so much they help each other. Even at this, at the level that Elvin is at now, it's they have a relationship with all the other drivers, and obviously his team drivers. They will share. More than I would expect, to be honest, more than I seem to recall in my days, um, uh, which is really, really interesting and very good. But they realize it's in the interest of the team and the way the team is structured um, in most of the top professional teams today. They structure it that it's in the interest of the team to go to do well because the team successful gets rewarded and I think that's great it's brilliant and that's why you see other drivers in the same team yes they want to beat each other there's <laughs> not no no saying about that but they will you know, certainly in some teams anyway they will share notes but it's very interesting you know when I used to do a lot of the test driving uh, when we'd have you know if you like three three escort costwells going um, onto a rally i would drive all three or shake down them all before they would go and these are in the days of francois delacour and pentericular and um, mickey bianzion and even you were and just carlos a few, a few random just, a, just a few names i like to <laughs> drop in there um, but you know nearly every chassis was a difference no very few two cars would drive the same. They would have them set up differently. So a lot of this rallying world is not set in stone, 100% equal to the next driver. So you have to be a little bit independent. Yeah. Because they don't have the same preloads. 
and uh, diff settings and ride heights and and you know they're, they're not far away but they're not identical out of interest have you driven one of the newer wrc cars sorry have you, have, driven, I? have you driven one of the newer wrc cars no, no not recently no I, I mean i've sat with elvin um not in a toyota but i saw i sat with elvin in the in the you know in the fiesta wrc cars a few times and crapped myself <laughs> to be honest <laughs> i guess they're just is it just like the initial takeoff because you you've driven some crazy cars back in no it's not just the initial takeoff it's all bloody scary like i mean <laughs> Yeah, I got you. Know, I, I was just about taking things in after a few runs, like, but they are proper, proper quick, like, and <laughs> the, how quick things are. You know, you it the television uh, doesn't do it justice. The in cars doesn't do it justice. You've got to sit your bum in there and see what it's like. like. So if someone said, all oh, these modern cars, they basically do it for you. They're so easy to drive. What would you say? Bollocks. <laughs> so that was a load of rubbish, is what you said. That's it, yeah, a lot of rubbish. <laughs> okay. Right, well, that's, that's answered that one. And actually, they, are very, they are very, very skillful drivers. End of. And yes, the cars turn in and stop and go really 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 well but ultimately their reactions and, and the way they apply and be disciplined around what, everything they do is just unreal you couldn't just jump in there and do it it's just impossible i'm sorry i've just thought of another question do you think that you and alvin could actually do a rally together because i know if i was driving and my dad was navigating then we'd probably end up killing each other so do you think you could do that i have navigated for dad but just haven't driven what would you say uh, no but i've sat along a lot of, with him during the early days i mean i sat with him a lot in testing huge amounts and as i say you know i i jumped in with him in in um, Germany, I jumped in with him uh, in Portugal testing in, in the Fiesta World Rally Car. And, it, and to be fair, he had me in not just for one spin. I was in there for about eight or nine runs in Portugal. And after three or four, I managed to get my breath and keep my, my cool and was able to say, well, I don't think, I think you were too early into there or you were too late or you're a bit bubba and bubba or the car wasn't great there. And he, I said, look, I'll, I'll have a drink with you in the bar afterwards. He came for his orange juice. I went for my pint, but that's a different story. Um, and I was able to um, say every corner of that test road after being with him eight or nine times and say what I felt the car did and what he did. And he said, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So That's so lovely that you can I, work together like that. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah we, he... He, he'll never admit it and I, I wouldn't expect him to do but it's not a cool thing to do is it but very often he'll come home when everything's going fine you you don't need to hear from him you I just leave him in his own little world get on with it perfect why would you want to disturb or or 
talk or nothing. You know, there's no dialogue at all. When it, but when, when the going gets tough and you're struggling with a chassis or what have you, I can't tell him what to do with the car, but I can just give him old-fashioned, different look at things, a different angle at something. And I think that's where experience comes in. You just say, well, hold on. Have you, hmm, have you thought about this? Or have you, and it's very rarely that that happens these days. But it, it was in, you know, quite a few years ago, and certainly in the, in the ST and the, uh, in the, in the Fiesta, what, what came after the ST? The, oh God. What championship was after the ST? Ah, two. You know, we, we shared a lot, like, yeah. That's really lovely. That is so nice that he's got someone to task and it's... But nice I wouldn't sit with him on a rally. <laughs> that is a different thing, isn't it? Well, unless yeah. it, if it was a fun rally, I would. We wouldn't well, fall out. Really? That's so good. I can't no, if, you, if, if you said there was, um, oh, we, we need to go around the Goodwood uh, rally stage, for example. No, 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 we're talking competitive ones, like a proper one. Like I couldn't do it now at the level he's at. You know, core drivers, honestly, you have to have the ultimate respect to core drivers because that is a different kettle of fish again. Um, you know, I just couldn't do it. And unless he knew the road, we'd crash because you couldn't, an unexperienced person trying to do a professional co-driver's job doesn't go. The two no. doesn't go. <laughs> what if happen. it was in a Mark II Escort and you're doing the Isle of Man? Who would drive and who would navigate? He would navigate. <laughs> Well, he came in the Mac 2 with me about a year ago in Traus when we were testing. And he, he used the word something like, you're effing mad. <laughs> <laughs> Still good. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't say he was, I was good. He was just saying I was effing mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> especially around, especially around Traus as well. If, you, if you've had around yeah. there, you must be good to survive. But, yeah, but he would sit with me. But, you know, drivers aren't very good co-drivers, full no. stop. Although you did say that you did some co-driving early on. Did that put you in good stead later on, just to help? Yes, yeah. But when you're, when you're co-driving when you're 17, you, nothing fears you, does it? I mean, let's be honest. When you're that young, you don't see danger. Don't say that. Max Young has <laughs> just turned 18 and he's got this car. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, going around the orm. Oh God, I, I can't yeah. imagine him and his mates setting lap times. But I won't go into that just in case I get him in trouble. But, <laughs> but um, that's I just I could talk to you all day. But I'm very conscious that this might just shut off, and I don't want it to. Uh, to that's fine. Off. Okay, no, no worry. Uh, I'm just going to pause the recording. But thank you very much. And that was Gwyneth Evans. Thank you so much for listening. Apologies about the audio. Again, I had some builders next door being ridiculously loud and then the postman started to knock in the door. So I do really apologise. But I hope you enjoyed that. I just thought it was just so interesting and so informative. And again, hopefully you can take something away from it. Please get in touch on uh, my Instagram, Jade Pavely Motorsport, um, or on my Facebook. Um, thank you so much to my podcast sponsors, Forest Experience Rally School and Test Venue and Group B Motorsport. Hope you look forward to the next one. Stay safe.